Well, I've got to tell you, I have been excited um, as well as I'm anxious about this message here today, and it's been on my heart for a while because this will be the last time that I get to speak to you before you make your commitment to this project that we're getting ready to do. Um, And I think it's pretty important with that. So we have given you, as you came in with your bulletin, there's also a couple different things. One is a family conference guide, um, a family meeting guide, something that you can take this week, and we want to help guide you through how to pray about this, how to lead your family through this. Now, I know these kids just gave um, towards it, but they need to understand the bigger picture as well. So with you as a family, what are you going to do together as a family and commitment you might make? I'd encourage you sometime this week, sit down as a family and read through the scripture and pray through it. There's also that commitment card. Now that commitment card, again, is not for you to fill out and turn in today. That's for next week. I want to give you, though, the opportunity so we're not just asking spur of the moment. We want you to have time to prepare to pray about it, to think about it. How is God leading you in it? We don't want to surprise you with it, so we've given it to you um, well in advance for you to get prepared. And for me, this is not about the what. It's not about the detail or the dollar amount, although we will talk about that. But I don't want you to give because we have a need. I want you to give because we meet a need. I want you to understand that what we're doing is beyond who we are, and it's not about us and what we get out of it. It's about what we can give to others and what, how God can use us to get there. So if you have your Bibles, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. This is where we're going to be today. I think this gives us some ideas and the motive behind our giving. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. If you have your Bible, turn there. If you don't, there's one on either side of the room. Go grab a Bible. If you have your phones with you, get your Bible apps open. Find this passage. This is the longest passage in the New Testament on the subject of giving. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. In fact, this is the second letter that he has written to this church, talking to them about how they can live um, a life that honors Christ and what they should be doing. But he gets to the end of this second letter, and he gives them not just some instruction or encouragement, But he gives them an example of another church and how they have helped. And I think we can learn a lot from this. It tells us that God will look at our hearts when we give. And that he determines whether he's pleased with that gift, not by the amount, but the motives behind it. So the Macedonian church has helped Paul on his journeys, and he's bragging about them. He says the Macedonians, they have eager hearts. That's one thing we can learn. They have eager hearts. Look at verse 3, chapter 8. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. They went beyond what they could do, of their own accord. And catch this line. I want you to see this. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. This church came to Paul begging him for them to give. Can, Can we give? Can we be a part of this? We want to give to this. We want to support. How many people have you ever found begging to give to something? Well, let me share with you what happened this last week here at Crestview. We had our leadership team um, time together where we made our commitments. And this team is made up of about 18 family units. And this is our staff. 
as well as our leadership team, our volunteer um, leaders in our church, and also combined with the Beyond Us team. So the team that has helped us through this campaign time period, we all came together, about 18 family units, and we want you to know that we're behind this. We're behind these efforts and what's going on, and we as a team have committed to $347,000 towards this project. Absolutely. Because a lot of them are staff, I know what they make, and this is a big deal, right? This is a lot. That's a big commitment. But I also want you to know something. I have also, over the last month, sat down with many families, some because you have requested it from me, but others I have called families up, and I've said, can I come and chat with you about this project? Probably met um, with between 25 and 30 families over the last month, and there were six families Outside of our leadership team, outside of this team and this number, six other families that have also made commitments. We're calling them lead gifts, commitments before we make ours next week. So a total of 24 families now have committed to $622,000 to this project already. It's an average of $26,000 per commitment that's happening Guys, I'm excited about this. That means there's people that are for this, that are excited about what we're doing, where we're headed, and what God can do through us. You know, this is, this is an encouraging part. Eight years ago when we purchased the property that we now own, we did this same kind of campaign. And the total, after three years of commitments, was $600,000. We've already beat that with this campaign. Not only that, I think of it this way. Our annual budget as a church right now to operate throughout the year is right around half a million dollars. And we've already beat that in efforts to say we're going to give beyond that amount to make sure that we can continue to grow and the kingdom can grow in God. To me, I read it, I see these numbers and I say, Crestview, You've got some people with some eager hearts that are begging to be a part of something bigger than themselves and say, I want to be in on this. How can I be a part of it? The Macedonians had eager hearts, but they also had surrendered hearts. Look at verse 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Priorities. This is important. We've got to see this. They gave themselves first to God. They surrendered their hearts first to him. Here's the part. You guys have missed it already. It's already happened. But i got to share a better number with you. It's not as big as those other numbers. But I love this number. And I think it's more important than a dollar amount. And that number is four. We've had four baptisms here at Crestview this morning. I know. That is an awesome thing. Um, here's the cool part. Four baptisms today, but we're also talking um, between myself and a couple other staff people, we're talking to three more people about being baptized before the end of the year. And if that's not you, if you're like, I've been thinking about it, but no one's talked to me, look, jump in, come on. Let's do this first. Make sure that you are understanding who God is and you commit to him before you commit to anything else. 
Um, we've also done this. There are about 30 people that have prepared over this last fall. We've met as small groups learning about what we're going to change and do with our small groups so that the first of the year we're going to launch a brand new effort towards our small groups and growing as a church in our spiritual life. And I'm excited about that. I think there's something cool happening here at Crestview. And we're on the beginning stages of some big changes happening And understand it this way, when you surrender your heart to God first, then you come to the understanding and realization that everything really belongs to him. It's all his. You hear this during our offering time, when we, usually at the end of our services, we have a time of communion, and we have a time of offering, and somebody usually stands on stage. Most of the time it's Steve that, that does this and says it this way. But as our guests, don't feel obligated to give to this. Now, if I ever stand up here, you often hear me say, but you can. I mean, we'll take whatever, right? But don't feel obligated. Unless you're a committed believer, that offering time isn't for you. Because we want those who have not surrendered their lives to God to understand that we don't look at them as a piece of revenue. We're not in the business of just receiving funds. That's not what we're about. But we use those funds to change lives. Now, Everyone matters to God, and that has to come first in our priorities. And then for us that have made that commitment, our giving is a way of reminding ourselves and those around us that we're committed to God and his church. And this is a part of our obedience to follow him. The Macedonians, they showed us more than an example of giving. They showed us an example of living. And they gave themselves first to God and then to the ministry. And more importantly than determining the amount that you might give is to determine your priorities of what's most important in your life. James Harnish said it this way. He said, what matters most is not the size of the gift, but the difference it makes in the heart of the giver. How is God changing and growing you during this time? Let's look at it this way too. The Macedonians, they had grateful hearts. Chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. When I see this and the understanding of that back and forth, it's a heart posture. Where is your heart when you're serving God with this? And the story of God becoming flesh through Jesus, it's not a rags to riches story. In fact, it's quite the opposite. John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that he laid down his life for us. Which is why I believe the Macedonians gave sacrificially. They were grateful for what Jesus did for them. Leaving heaven, coming to earth, dying on a cross for us. And I'm grateful for that, and I want others to know it as well. Therefore, I have a willing heart. The Macedonians did as well. They had willing hearts. Verse 11, chapter 8. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it, by completing it out of what you have. Guys, I understand it this way. A gift given begrudgingly is not an acceptable gift to God. That's not what he wants from us. So at all, and hear it from my heart, if you feel coerced to give to this project, If you feel at all that you've been manipulated into giving during these last few weeks, if you feel obligated to give for the wrong reason, then I'm going to ask you not to give. Don't give to this project. 
First, go back and check your heart and pray through it. And if you can't get there, then set this one out and continue growing in him. Because what we want at the end is cheerful hearts. The Macedonians had cheerful hearts as well. Chapter 9, if you're still in chapter 8, jump over to chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's what I've learned in this. Um, The New Testament, and especially this letter that Paul was writing to the Corinth church, he wrote it in the language of Greek, the Greek language. And the word then gets translated for us as cheerful, but the root word that that word comes from is the word hilarious. It's funny, right? And maybe at some level, you're going to sit down and you're going to start to pray about this, and God is going to lead you to a number or a percentage or something, and the only thing you can do is laugh about it and say, I don't get it. I don't understand how I'm going to make that. How can I give that? But I also know the flip side of this, because I've been there. We did it last time. You're going to get to the end of it, and really the only thing you might be able to do is laugh about it, because you're so happy of a joyful heart, because I think God will show. He'll show himself through you if you continue to follow him. Giving can be one of the most joyous experiences that you have ever had if you trust and follow and when someone gives, the giver is pleased because I know they're helping someone else out. Chapter 9, verse 12, it says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. For some of you, the amount that you're going to give to this project, combine them with the amount that you usually give to the church on a regular basis, might actually come to a tithe. It might actually equal 10%. And I say, that's awesome. That is great. What a stretch of faith for you, a step of obedience to trust in God to get to that point. That's a great challenge for you to raise your level of giving. And maybe it comes out to that percent. For some of you, if you're not on a regular habit of tithing, I want you to take a serious look at the spiritual disciplines of tithing. Not from my sermons or anything that I have said. Go study it yourself and consider taking that step of faith to trust God with your resources. And watch what he can do if you put him first in your life. I believe our kids are watching us all the time. They listen to our conversations. They see what we do. They know our actions speak louder than our words. And I think it's important for them to see in our actions and how we live, what we support in our lives. What is it you get behind? What energy do you give to certain things in your life? And is one of those things your relationship with God and his church? What we learn over time is that we actually are capable of living off of 90% of what we have if we trust God and we give to him the first 10%, not our leftovers. Because when you give generously, it's an expression of worship to him, and he will bless that. All right, last one. The Macedonians also had testifying hearts. 
Their hearts were testifying to what God had done. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Others. Other people are going to watch what you do. They're going to see what you do. And your actions speak louder than your words. And when your walk matches your talk, it enhances your credibility with them when you then have a chance to share who Christ is to you. And when you choose to give to God's work, you're taking a countercultural stand in the world today. Because I believe the world doesn't understand communion. The thing that we do at the end of our service where we remember what Christ has done for us, The world doesn't understand worship songs. Why do you stand and sing? That seems weird. The world doesn't understand preaching. This thing here is sometimes odd. The world doesn't understand the love of Jesus. But yet the world does understand money. They understand our resources. And when you use your own funds and give, the world steps up and watches. They notice And they see what an awesome testimony that is. So there are many times throughout the Bible where we see an example of sacrificial giving. It's when God tests us in our faith as believers by asking us to give a larger gift than we have ever given before. A gift that is outside of our proportion or normal size of what we would give on a regular basis. It's when God says, hey, just trust me on this one. I'm taking you somewhere that you've never been before. I don't believe you get this opportunity very often in your life. A couple times, maybe three times in your lifetime where God's going to place this in front of you. And it's exactly what we talked about last week. When Mary came and she poured that expensive perfume over Jesus' head. The disciples, they said, man, what a waste. And Jesus said, no, what a blessing. What love but I don't want you to worry about how God is going to bless you in return because of what you do. Don't worry about how God is going to bless you. He has all sorts of ways he can do that. He might increase your income. He might lower your expenses. He might sustain a household appliance. He might protect your health. He might keep your car out of the shop. Unless you own a shop, he might bring cars to your shop. He works that way. But God will bless in his way, and that's not... I'm not saying that to be a health and wealth pastor. I just know he will. You may never even notice it, but I know he'll do it for you. So let me give you some steps that may be helpful for you over the next week before you come back next week. First is to pray. Yes, we've given you that that guide, um, a family meeting guide to help you walk through some scripture. If you don't know what to look for, walk through that, pray through that, and let that be a guide for you. I think it'll show a submissive spirit to God and his plan for you and your life. Um, We we have out in the lobby some prayer reminders. We've got these little tokens you can carry around, put one in your pocket, put one on your desk. You can see it. Some of them have magnets on the back. You can put one up on your refrigerator. We have these little stickers. Um, They're clings, actually, not stickers. So I have one on my rearview mirror in my truck. So whenever I look in my rearview mirror, I can see this, and it's a reminder for me to pray. We put one in the window um, above our kitchen sink, looking out into our backyard as well. So reminders to pray. Pick up some of these as well. Um, we gave out some wristbands to the students, to the kids. There's plenty of them out there as well. We'd love for you to grab one. 
We also, on Friday, have a 24-hour prayer event that's starting here at the church. Starting Friday at noon and going through Saturday at noon, for 24 hours straight, someone is going to be here at the church praying for this project. And we want you to be part of that. We've got places where you can sign up. You can do it right now on your phones if you want. Um, Go to our live event. Go to our website. There's a place where you can sign up for that. If not, someone will help you in the lobby. um, Get signed up. Find a time where you can come and pray and be a part of that with us. Also, I'm not throwing this out for everyone in the church, but if you choose to and you would like to, during those 24 hours, you can fast during that as a time of prayer. If that's you and you choose to do that, let me know. Just come up to me after the service. I have a guide, something that will help you understand what fasting is, how to do that, what it means, um, and then then we can do that together. Um, But I want you to come and chat with me before you do that. Next one is to seek the counsel of close friends. This week, um, find somebody that you can chat with. It's, it's good to share what you're thinking with someone else, to say it out loud. If you're married, discuss it with your spouse. If they don't come to Crestview, um, be sensitive to that situation. And know that I understand that. And that's important. If you're single, find a good friend just to share it with. Say it out loud to them. Work through it. Count your blessings in your life, in this church, your children, your friends. Some of you, your lives have changed because of the ministry of this church. And now we have the opportunity to help someone else grow in their faith and understand what God can do for them. Next, I want you to evaluate your own financial situation. You've heard me say it before as well, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. I think that's going to be different for everyone. The dollar amount may not be the same, but I'm going to encourage you to sacrifice something for that. I I see it like this. It's like the poor country church that decided to throw a breakfast party for their whole community. They said, let's have a breakfast and invite the whole community to come out and we'll provide breakfast for them and they can all eat. And they wanted everyone to pitch in and get involved with this breakfast. So even the farm animals were a part of it. And there were two of them that came walking forward. There was a chicken and a pig that came forward saying, we want to be part of this event. And the chicken spoke up and said, we're going to supply the ham and the eggs for this breakfast. (laughs) The pig said, wait a minute, that's not fair. For you, it's a contribution. For me, that's total commitment. So April and I, we have decided what we would give to this. For us, I don't think it was a hard decision because we learned our our lesson on sacrificial giving eight years ago when we purchased the property as a church. And I know it's easy for any of us to, to get into that mode where we think we don't have very much to give. We pay our bills, we live month to month, we have an emergency savings account, and then we begin to pray and ask God to reveal what it is that we can give up to be a part of it. So let me take you back eight years ago. I think it'll help you understand where we're at today with this. Eight years ago, when we bought this property, we did a campaign like this. And April and I, before that time, had decided we wanted to increase our giving over the years. And it took us several years to get here. But at the time of that campaign, we were giving 15% of our income to the church's general budget. That was just the tithe that we wanted to give. So when that project came along, there was a big question for us of what do we do? Do we drop our tithe a little bit so that we can give to the campaign? We could call it even, right? We can drop to 10%. We could give five. We're already doing that. 
But we decided back then that we would remain giving 15% to the church's general budget, but we would increase and give another 10% to that project at the time. So for three years, we gave 25% of our income back to the church. Well, over the years, our tithe has gone up and down a little bit, and currently we are giving 12% to the church. That's what we have chosen to give as our general gift to Crestview. So we had another decision to make. What are we going to do now? Do we try and equal what we did last time, or do we try and go above that? And as we talked it through and prayed about it ourselves, we, we decided that we're going to give another 18%. Sorry, it doesn't make me laugh. It makes me cry. Another 18% to this project, making it a total of 30% of my income back to this church for the next two years. And I don't do it to receive any kind of thank you. Please don't thank me for that. I'm doing it to lead the way, to set the charge and to say, come on, I'm in this. We're in this. We're behind this. We love you guys. We love your friends that aren't here yet, and we believe that you're going to bring them, and we need a place for them. And many of you will have your own story of how you have given your financial portfolio over to the hands of God instead of your accountants. And it might be the first time for you that maybe because of this, it might be the very first time that you will lay in bed at night praying for the success of the church. Why? Because now you're invested. Now you care. You've got something in the game. It may be not the church but it may shift then to your friends, your relatives that don't know who Jesus is and that might come to know Jesus because of the ministry of this church or a church like this. For parents, it might be that you've decided that it's more important to leave your children an inheritance of faith instead of an inheritance of finances. Guys, I believe there's a spiritual revival that's beginning in this church. It's starting with this campaign It's happening through our leadership and the changes that are coming with that. It's happening through our life groups and the preparation that we've had with that. And I'm excited about where God is taking us. But only you and God can determine what amount you give. Maybe it'll be a percentage like I shared with you. Maybe it will be a a number that God gives to you. Maybe it will be the value of a possession that you have. But I know it's going to cost something. Maybe it means you don't eat out as much over the next few years. Maybe you have a garage sale to help with some of these funds. Maybe you hold off purchasing an appliance or a car or a vacation. But we're going to ask that you give courageously. And this is part of that commitment card that you have. Courageously. Next week, the biggest gift that you've ever given to a church. I'm going to ask that you give consistently over a a 25-month period. And that consistently, it might be weekly, it might be monthly, but let's stretch your idea a little bit. It might be quarterly. It might be annually that you're able to annually give something just three times. But it's going to take some creativity. So we're going to ask that you give creatively. Stocks, bonds, stuff. Maybe it's an IRA, and if you're at a certain age, you're required to take a minimum distribution of that. Um, And if you haven't thought of that before, that the church could benefit, and you benefit at the same time. We actually have an account 
being set up at Edward Jones. So if you work there or whatever brokerage firm you work with, go and talk to them about how you can make that work for the church. But most importantly, and if you forget everything else I've said, please understand this. I think the best advice I can give you this week is to evaluate your motives. Is your heart pure when you do this? If it's not, I'm not sure God will bless us as a church. But check your motives. Do not do this for selfish reasons. Chapter 8, verse 7, it says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act. And he's talking about the act of giving, this act of grace also. I love this story. There's a um, legend about a village in Spain, this old village in Spain, that a king was coming to visit the village. And this king um, hadn't been there ever in his life. In fact, it had been a thousand years since a king had ever come to this village. And they were excited, and their excitement was growing, and they knew they needed to give a gift to the king. They wanted to give a gift to the king, but yet it was a poor village, and they didn't know what to do. So they came together and they decided, let's pull our resources. And if everybody could bring just one cup of wine, the best wine that you have in your family, if everyone brought that one cup, their best, they would pour it together and that's what they would offer the king, the best of what they had. Well, the king came that day, they gave him his gift, he opened it up, he took one drink and realized it was only water. Because everyone went back home and thought to themselves, they'll never notice. If I give one cup of water and everyone else gives their best wine, their wine will overpower my water and it will be just fine. The king will never know the difference. I believe Satan will be working hard this week on the people of this church. How do I know it? Because he's been working hard on me over the last month. He's going he's gonna to tell you things that aren't true. That church has plenty of money. Let someone else give. They've got many problems there at that church. You can use it better than them. You need it worse. No one will know the difference if you don't give your best. When you make your commitment... Don't think that it's working to meet a man-made goal that we have, whether that's a dollar amount or a physical building. Give because you want to honor the king of kings. See, when Jesus gave, I know he didn't give a percentage. He gave it all. So I know for sure stewardship has nothing to do with fundraising It has everything to do with your heart and what you're willing to do. It was Dale Evans that once said, I have searched all my life for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and I have finally found all that I need at the foot of the cross. As if you don't know who Jesus is or what he's done for you in your life, that's got to be the best and most important step you can take. And I would love to share him with you. If you do, then what do you get behind And what priorities do you have in your life for him? If you would, let's stand together and prepare our hearts for a time to remember Jesus and what he's done for us.